the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. This month we are focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Now let's turn together in our Bibles to explore what God has shared with us about gratitude. We've been talking about gratitude for each of the last two weeks. and We're going to be talking about gratitude again today. And we're going to be talking about how gratitude is rare. And we'll be doing that by taking a look at Luke chapter 17. We'll be taking a look at the, uh, the parable of the ten lepers, the ten who are healed of leprosy. And so if you would, just let's stand together, to again, uh, together again here as we take a look at these verses of Scripture from Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11, reading through verse 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Do you remember the, uh, the old advertisement? Four out of five dentists would recommend Trident to their patients who chew gum. Four out of five dentists recommend that tried and sugar-free gum is the one that would be chewed. Four out of five dentists show you that the weight of evidence is apparently on the side of Trident, that everybody who's anybody that knows anything would tell you that Trident is the gum that should be chewed by those who chew gum. And a pastor friend of mine noted that every time he reads this story of the ten lepers, he can't help but think about that old advertisement. Four out of five dentists recommend that those who chew gum would chew Trident gum. And he says, nine out of ten lepers tells you that gratitude is hard. Nine out of ten lepers would tell you that gratitude is rare. Nine out of ten lepers would tell you that uh, gratitude is not the normal response when something happens to us. Nine out of ten lepers tell us that in this fallen world, duty often outpaces gratitude. Today we're going to talk about how gratitude is rare. About how nine out of ten lepers would in fact maybe not recommend it. And yet we're going to talk about how gratitude is really beautiful and how gratitude is fitting, and how gratitude brings completion to that which we have received. Gratitude is rare, but gratitude is beautiful, and gratitude is fitting. We'll talk about it in three different ways. 
First, we'll talk about the nine out of ten lepers. Second, we'll talk about the one out of ten lepers. And we'll close by talking a little bit about gratitude and ingratitude. That's what we'll do this morning. Nine out of ten lepers, one out of ten lepers, and gratitude and ingratitude. So first, let's take a look at those nine. Nine out of ten lepers would tell you that gratitude's unnatural. And that's on display here. Let's take a look at the text again here. We're told that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. We're told that he travels along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And then we're told that as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosies met, leprosy they met him. They stood at a distance and called out to him in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he sees them, he says, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they go, they're healed. That's what we're told about the nine out of the ten lepers there. And here's what's surprising about this. I know when I used to read this story as a kid, I I used to think, how could they? How could they just go and and then talk to the priest and forget about coming back and thanking Jesus? How could they do something like that? But as we take a look at the text, it's really actually very natural, the response that they have. And, And they've done a lot of positive things throughout the text here. In fact, there are four positives about these nine out of ten lepers. Four really significant positives about the way that they're acting. Let me walk through them. Here's the first positive. They draw near to Jesus. That's the first thing that they do that's very positive. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He's on the border between Samaria and Galilee. He's entering into a village. We're not sure which one, but we know that it's near this border. We know that there are lepers on the outside of it. And these lepers know that Jesus is coming to this village, and so they decide that they are going to draw near to him. What they know about Jesus is that he is somebody who can be approached. What they know about Jesus is that he is somebody who has the power and the ability to heal, and that he's somebody that doesn't quickly turn people away. And so they come to Jesus seeking to be healed. This is a positive, isn't it? Jesus, I know you can heal. I know you don't quickly turn away. So please heal us. Please heal us, Jesus. This is good behavior. This is instructive, is it not? If you and I are sick or you and I are in need, we too need to draw near to Jesus. He calls us all to himself. We know that he can heal, and it's positive to approach him and ask him that he might do that. You know, we do that each Sunday within our corporate worship. We have a congregational prayer, and we offer up praises and requests during the course of that prayer, and oftentimes we ask, Jesus, would you please heal this person? Would you heal this brother or sister within the congregation? This person is sick. We know that you have the power to heal. We want to draw near to you and ask that you would do that. But that's not the only positive thing that they do. Here's the second positive. They draw near to him, and yet they still stand at a distance. That's what the text says. They stood at a distance in verse 12 and then verse 13 and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, why would they stand at a distance? Well, they were keeping the law. The law that was recorded in the Old Testament, you see in the Old Testament there are uh, an exhaustive list of commands for dealing with a wide range of different things. There were many different things that could make somebody unclean. There were ways to become clean against. Again, once one had become unclean, and one of the things that would make somebody unclean is if they had a skin disease like leprosy, like these ten lepers had. They had this skin disease, so what that meant was that they were supposed to stay outside of the town or outside of the city or outside of the camp. When people were drawing near, they were supposed to call out unclean because it was assumed that leprosy was very contagious. It is, in fact, contagious, but not very, we, we realize now. But, but the reality is, is that close contact would spread leprosy from one to another. And so in order to protect the people, the Lord gave to them this command to say, if you have leprosy, separate yourself from people. It's a terrible disease. 
And so they were following the law. And even as they were drawing near to Jesus, they did not want to disobey the law. And so they still stand at a distance, a distance enough that they have to shout out to Jesus in a loud voice in order to be heard. They're following the law. This is a positive. Both the book of Numbers and the book of Leviticus record the fact that they're not supposed to mix with people without leprosy. They're following that law. This is a positive thing. Here's positive number three. They go and they see the priest. Now, this is a continuation of the fact that these were law keepers and law followers. The Old Testament law had an exhaustive set of things that would make one clean or unclean, an exhaustive set of ways to become clean again. Again, once one had uh, been made unclean. And, and Leviticus chapter 14, verses 1 through 20, tells us about that process of becoming clean again once somebody had leprosy, which would make them unclean. So let's take a look at these words that are going to be on the screen for us from Leviticus chapter 14. I'll turn there while those words are coming up for us. Here's what Leviticus chapter 14 says about being made clean again. The Lord said to Moses, These are the regulations for the diseased person at the time of his ceremonial cleansing when he's brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine him. If the person has been healed of his infectious skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought to the one to be cleansed. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times shall he sprinkle the one to be cleansed of this infectious disease and pronounce him clean. Then he's released the live bird in the open field. It goes on for the next 13 verses. And then in verse 19 and 20, we're told, in verse 19 and 20 here, then the priest is to sacrifice the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncleanness. After that, the priest shall slaughter the burnt offering and offer it on the altar together with the grain offering and make atonement for him and he will be clean. So the law gave this very specific way that those that had infectious sin diseases were supposed to be named clean again. Once they had been unclean, they were to be named clean again. And so what this means is that as these 10 lepers turn around and start walking to the priest, they're following all of the dictates, all of the commands of the law. They're following after the law here. This is a positive thing. And let me try to say something very carefully here. Don't let religious observance substitute for a vibrant trust in Jesus. Don't let religious observance substitute for gratitude to your Savior. There are many things that are are very good, very good things, like going on service trips, things like that, things of that nature, very good, very good things in the Christian life. But there are times where people can substitute religious observance, outward observance, for sincere and deep trust in Jesus Christ. I'm sure that you've seen or experienced this sort of thing. I've heard people talk about it all the time. Sometimes people use it as an excuse not to go to church. You know, growing up, I just knew so many people that would come to church and look all neat and clean and tidy, and then they would live something totally different throughout the rest of the week. And I realize that people in church are hypocrites. That's why I don't go anymore. Or or I've seen it where, where people will go on service trips, right? A very good thing. And yet use that as a substitute for a, a deep trust in Jesus. In either case, or both cases, a sort of religious observance is substituting for an actual and a deep trust in Jesus. It is good. It is good to be here in God's house. It's good to, to demonstrate, that, your, demonstrate your love for Jesus by going on a service trip or a mission trip. But don't let it substitute for trust in Jesus. Don't let it substitute for a real gratitude. You know, in the Old Testament, the Lord made a condemnation on sacrifices and offerings that are offered instead of a heart that's offered up to the Lord. 
He says, sacrifice and offering I didn't desire. I desired a heart to live for me. And so these nine followed the law. And that's a positive thing. They're going before the priest to become clean again. This is a positive thing. And here's the fourth positive thing. All of these lepers, all of them took Jesus at his word. Do you see the way that Jesus heals here in this passage? When he saw them in verse 14, he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And so Jesus doesn't look to them and just say, you're healed, and then they get healed. He says, you know what, you have leprosy, go show yourself to the priest. This is something that couldn't happen until after you were healed of the disease so that you could be made clean again. And he says, go and show yourself to the priest. They turn, and as they show themselves to the priest, they realize that they've been healed. It's in following, in hearing the words of Jesus and following after what it is that he's saying that they realize that they're clean. And every single one of them is healed, which means that every single one of them took Jesus at his word, turns and starts to walk towards the priest, believing that he has the power to heal and that if Jesus says it, that they should do it. And so every single one of them takes Jesus at his word, turns, begins walking to the priest, and receives a healing. All of those are positive. Positive things on the part of every one of them. And yet, and yet, nine out of ten lepers missed the main thing, didn't they? Nine out of ten still missed the same thing, the main thing. Nine out of ten lepers recommend duty rather than gratitude. Nine out of ten lepers might speak to us that gratitude is frankly just harder than duty. So let's take a look at the one who comes back to say thank you. One out of ten lepers. You ever wonder about that fifth dentist? Now, why, why, wouldn't they dis- why wouldn't they recommend Trident to their patients that chew gum? What is it about? Do they know something different? Do they understand something better? Well, at least the way that it's described, at least the way that it's described is, well, the weight of evidence is that you should definitely chew Trident, right? And the weight of evidence here seems to be that duty is better than gratitude. And yet, and yet, Jesus commends the one that comes back. Because only one comes back. Only one. Only one out of ten lepers comes back. Why might that be? Well, the text tells us that he was a Samaritan. He was one of these that had stayed back when when the Jewish people were sent into exile. They had intermarried and intermixed with other people. They were considered to be half-breeds. They had compromised on, on the Jewish faith. Maybe he understood that he was an outsider. Maybe he understood that he was a foreigner, as Jesus calls him, a pagan, an unbeliever. Maybe that meant that he simply didn't know the law well enough to follow it, and so he just turns to Jesus in, in gratitude and, and bows before him, but maybe he recognizes that he's an outsider. Maybe he realizes how unexpected this is. Maybe he realizes this is not something that he deserves. And so he decides to come back and throw himself on the ground before Jesus and simply say, thank you. You know, throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see those who are healed, who are outside of the Israelite community. They're outsiders. It's not expected that they would, you know, be able to receive anything from Jesus. When the centurion is healed, or when the centurion's child is healed, Jesus says, you know, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere in Israel. And here now, the Samaritan, the unexpected one, receives healing and comes back and says thank you. It's a simple act, isn't it? He's been healed, he comes to Jesus, he gets on the ground in front of him, and he just says, thank you. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, To listen to other messages from our audio ministry or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself. 
and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message on the topic of gratitude. Real gratitude, real gratitude understands that you can't pay back what you've received. Real gratitude doesn't try to. Real gratitude just realizes the weight of what this person has received and simply says, thank you. You know, you don't get a gift, and then as a thank you, give the same gift back. Why? Because that's not particularly grateful. That's duty. That's repayment. That's giving the same thing that you have received. Gratitude just says, you didn't have to do this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't, I can't repay this. Thank you. This speaks of the sort of life that we give to the Lord. You mean you've repaid my whole debt? You've given me everything? Thank you. You know, I give you my life. I, I know it's not enough, but thank you. You know, I give you my time. I know it's not enough, but thank you. Yeah, I give you my finances, I give you my heart, I give you myself, I give you all of me. I recognize it's not a repayment. I recognize that it's not enough. I recognize that it is a finite thank you for an infinite gift, but thank you. Here's my life, here's myself, here's my heart, here's my time, here's my money, here's my family. It's not enough, but thank you. And this passage speaks to us about how beautiful gratitude is and really how ugly ingratitude is. One comes back. And Jesus recognizes that that gratitude is what's fitting here, doesn't he? He says in verse 17, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? There was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. You know, you realize that ingratitude really is ugly. Weren't ten healed? Where's the other nine? You know what brought home to me once how ugly ingratitude is and, and how beautiful gratitude is? It was when I was watching the 2009 Hall of Fame induction speeches. It was a wonderful year for the Hall of Fame. Three members of the 2009 Hall of Fame basketball class, John Stockton, David Robinson, and Michael Jordan. Now, growing up, Michael Jordan was my absolute favorite basketball player. I loved watching MJ play. I understood why they called him Air Jordan, because it seemed like he could float an extra two or three seconds up there, more than any normal basketball player, right? And when I was in, like, grade school and middle school, my parents would put me down to bed. I had a radio in my room, and so I'd sneak out of bed, and I'd turn the radio on, the lowest possible volume, and I'd just listen to Chicago Bulls games on the radio. I think my dad really liked it, because he walked in once, and he goes, just don't tell your mother. (laughs) Because he was an MJ fan, too. Man, I loved watching Jordan. I, I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. And so in 2009, when he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, I was like, I'm watching this NBA Basketball Hall of Fame induction. And so I watched all of the speeches, and MJ's was, was just this random mess. It was terribly long. I was told that each one received like eight minutes. MJ went like 28 minutes or something like that. And the speech was just him relaying all the ways that people had slighted him and how they were wrong to do that. He called out his high school basketball coach who didn't play him, who sat him on the bench when he should have played him more. He called out Wheaties for not putting him on the Wheaties box when he was a freshman in college. He called out the general manager of the Bulls for not treating him better. He called out the all-star committee for uh, you know, not making him an all-star more, more quickly in his career. And it was just rehashing all of the things that had gone wrong throughout his career and, and telling people how, how wrong they were to do that. It was so ungrateful. 
And I remember watching the speech and being like, this is so ugly. This is a very ugly speech filled with ingratitude on the part of somebody that played basketball so beautifully. And the reason that that it struck such a negative chord is that ingratitude is simply petty and, and ugly. But there was another speech that night. It was from David Robinson. And I'd never paid very much attention to David Robinson, right? He was just another guy that MJ would beat in basketball, and I, I loved that. And he gave a, a you know, brief seven-and-a-half-minute speech filled with, filled with thanks to all the people who had helped him along the way, and then he concluded in this sort of way. This, this was his concluding couple of sentences of his speech. He said this. He said, I know that there's a lot of stuff that I'm forgiving, but i got to close. I'm going to tell you one more thing. I was thinking the other day about a story from the Bible. It was from Luke, the 17th chapter. It's a story about 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus. And one of them came back. And one of them fell on his knees before him and said, thank you. And honored him and blessed him. And I just want to say, thank you. And then he called on people to believe in Jesus and to trust in him. And then he finished his speech. And in that moment, I realized that MJ was the better basketball player. But David Robinson was the bigger man. And his speech was so beautiful because gratitude is beautiful. Gratitude is beautiful, and gratitude is fitting. Gratitude is the fitting reaction to any act. It is the resolution. It is the resolution to any act. Gratitude is the fitting completion to any act. Peter Verhulst said that it's like when a song resolves. He said that's what gratitude does, is resolve properly an action. He talks about how frustrating it is whenever a song doesn't resolve. He says, if I were to just sing the beginning part of Praise God from Whom All Blessings Flow and leave it unresolved, it would be a a problem for some of us if we just say, Praise God from whom, and then left it. (laughs) See, I think people are trying to finish it right now, right? Because the song needs to be resolved. Praise God from whom. That's not a resolution. The choir that just sang so beautifully, they're frustrated right now that it's not resolved, right? A song needs to be resolved. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You see, gratitude is the resolution to any act. It's the fitting end to any act. And if we're ungrateful, we've, we've left the song unresolved, which is why ingratitude is so ugly. How was that one leper able to be grateful? How was he able to be grateful? Well, I think that there's a clue that's given to us in the final, final verse of this section. Verse 19, then he said, then Jesus says to the leper, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, translations have a hard time with this verse. Your faith has made you well, some say. Your faith has made you whole, some say. And and the difficulty is that the Greek here says your faith has saved you. And they think, well, this doesn't seem to be a fitting response, right? But, But this is what Jesus often does. You know, when he takes a look at the paralytic man, he doesn't heal him immediately. He says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus is always looking at these core issues, right? And so he says, you've been healed. Your faith has saved you. There's one biblical commentator, Daniel Bach, who says this, the deliverance that Jesus affirms here is greater than the healing that this man has experienced. He's learned everything this miracle can teach him. Faith and salvation again merge. You see, this man had faith. For this one out of ten lepers, Jesus was more than a healer. 
Jesus was Savior. Jesus was Savior. He had faith. And so having faith in Jesus, he recognized that there was only one fitting response. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those of us here this morning who have faith in Jesus Christ, we too need to recognize that there is but one fitting response to the one who has saved us. Thank you. Thank you, Savior, for my redemption. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus. And so today... We look to our Savior and we recognize that he has redeemed us from all of our sin. He has taken away all of our guilt. He has given to us all of his righteousness when we trust in him. And so we say, thank you. I'm going to live my life in response to you. Not because I'm trying to pay you back. No, but because I know I can't pay you back. Thank you. Take my life. Take myself. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through His Word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to Him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.